Hello, everyone. This is Tim Dodd. Welcome to the Believer's Faith Challenge podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast today. This is the Believer's Faith Challenge Report podcast, where we report on the works of God all over the world as relates to the end time word. And today we have for you part two of the audio portion of our video documentary on Uganda. And we should mention that this is only the audio portion. If you would like to see the video documentary, you can view it or download it from BibleWay.org. You can view it right online, or you can download it for viewing in your church, or you can share it with your family, friends, anyone you think might be blessed by the revival that is going on right now in Uganda. So sit back, relax, and enjoy Uganda Awakening, the documentary. Part two. It was an extension of the trip we took into Kenya, and then brothers heard about me. I don't know what they heard, but then they, they wanted me to come and visit them in Uganda. Missionary work in, in Africa was, was uh, led by the Lord. I, I heard Brother Brown talk about. Africa so much, and, and then I wondered, why, doesn't, why isn't somebody going? I wondered, why isn't Brother Perry Green going, Brother Bisco? And, uh, and then the Lord started dealing with me, why don't you go? At the beginning of the 1979-1980, Brother Harold started bringing in a lot of books yeah, into Kenya, sending them over. And these books were spilling into our country all the same because a few spilled in. And, uh, you know, because they came in 1978, but the influence, you know, came from Kenya. First trip I made to Uganda with Brother Harold was Brother Harold and I alone. The second time we were with Brother Tim Pruitt. And we traveled through Kenya and then into Uganda. Uh, Brother Harold had been there a few times before I went with him. The, the, the reason he, he, he brought me was because he had a real burden to get the word to the people, and so he had, he, he had a desire to do translating. So he asked me to come along, bring a computer, and we put it in a big plywood box. Computers were big then, so we put it in a big plywood box and carried it in and, uh, and actually set it up in a grass hut. Um, and had a generator running outside and a cord into the hut, and that's how we started the translating. That's where I started the training. It was very serious. They just went through a Idi Amin had just been ousted out of government, and everything was in a chaos. So, of course, Idi Amin, what he had done was to press out all the non-Ugandans, essentially the Indians and the whites, and which caused the economy to collapse because that's who was running the economy. Um, and then there was another leader after that who was equally as bad for the country. And then they got the new leader, who's actually the current president, who conducted guerrilla warfare and, and overtook the country. You couldn't even, they, they had a law at night, you couldn't be on the street till after six. and. Uh... The doors in the hotel where we were staying were broken to pieces. There was a lot of damage. 
in fact the political situation was uh, very bad because it goes back to what he said uh Idamin had uh, basically destroyed the core foundation of the nation we would not say that the people really had hope because you know it, it, the the state of anarchy you know uh you know had lived with the people for quite a long time uh from 1971 up to 1986 that's 15 years i think on the road you were stopped about every 10 miles and examined by the army and so they followed us they they planted with us secret service agents that were in our group everywhere we went um i first recognized it when uh we pulled up to get gas and the lineup was maybe a mile long and we zipped out and passed the whole lineup and went right into the gas station and i looked in the back and i watched the guy flash a card and we got gas and it was really funny because the whole time this guy was with us i kept asking him so when did you get saved how did you first hear about the message you know you're trying to create conversation cuz something didn't quite that welcoming spirit that you expect among christians wasn't there and so i i kind of felt there was something wrong so then when this happened uh, then i realized there was a situation and what was really interesting was at the time to get a computer into the country was very difficult so we didn't follow proper channels to get it into the country and he was there for that when we were trading money if we traded money in the bank it was 11 to 1 so we would get 11 shillings for 1 US dollar if we traded on the street we got 1100 to 1 so i could take $1000 and either get 11000 shillings or 1.1 million so you can probably guess how i did it and he was the driver and he was there for all those transactions and he was there for everything so he witnessed everything and then as we're starting to go to the airport He's talking about some of the things that we were doing outside of the normal boundaries. And I'm thinking this could be a bad situation. And so we were on our way to the airport, we were talking about this, and our vehicle had a flat tire. So when the vehicle had a flat tire, we're broken down on the side of the road. You got to realize now this is before cell phones, right? There's no cell phones, so we're broke down on the side of the road. And as we're standing there broke down, I said, "Brother Harold, we need to get to the airport." I I felt I was in this in the will of the Lord so I wasn't wasn't afraid. And so I flagged down a little Toyota old Toyota pickup truck that was right full of junk in the back. I said, "Brother Harold, you jump in the front." And we threw our baggage on the back and I jumped on the back of the truck and we went for the airport. And when that airplane lifted off the ground, we had a real sense of relief. We need to appreciate Brother Harold. uh he came in the hardest time of our country you know he has had this life for a few people in a dangerous situation brother kelo was uh, 
was one that we had the meetings with at the, at the, at the beginning there. I think he had the biggest group at that time, maybe about 20 people. Yeah, 25 and, something. Uh, and Stephen had just started, mm. he had six people. After the restoration of uh, order, you know, and the systems were set, uh, there was a freedom that we got because for the first time we had the freedom of worship. During the Amini era, uh, you know, he had uh, banned the churches and he wanted to operate with what he called traditional churches, which were Catholics, uh, the Church of England, and the Orthodox. That's all. That's all he wanted. After 1986, everything went blowing up, you know. It was just uh, like a revival of every kind of seed, yeah. My main, my, my main observation was the response that, the, that it brought, that the message brought to them, and that just made me feel like doing all I could to, to promote the message. Yeah, there were quite a number of groups, but uh, they were just dotted around the country. Mm -hmm. And I remember those days when we had our conventions, uh, we were talking about 100, 200 people. By a lot of, uh, in the days of the voice, <laughs> books uh, from Edmonton, uh, we were able to supply the needs of the people. Yeah. In a time where people held everything precious which you gave them, there was uh, very little material that could be read in those days. If you gave a book, you know, the people would appreciate, hey, reading something. And so graciously the message began to grow like that. We, we've always, we've, we've always, for years, since, since the mid-70s, been printing books and sending them out. I was criticized for doing missionary work is that how can you be a pastor and do missionary work? I said, well, I'm called to, more, to do more than pastor. Not odd, but well, missionaries are fine. And I've, I've uh, never thought much about missionaries and so I thought, well, they're just an office of God out there. So that's just my place right here on 8th and Penn Street. So I was just carrying on the best I could. But one day sitting in the study, I picked up that book and had a picture of, a, of the Negro race, an elderly old father. And he had this little white ram of hair. And he, underneath was written like this, white man, white man. 
Where was your father? See? I'm now old and dull at mine, and I don't understand you well. If I would have known Jesus when I was a young man, I would have took him to my people. Well, I read it, and something just kept saying, read it again, read it again. I kept reading, oh, you've had them down. Read over and over, there's something in there. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Remember, friends, the bridegroom will not come until the bride has made herself ready. She must be both called and fully dressed by the Word of God. This is the Believer's Faith Challenge Report podcast. You can sign up for our email newsletter at BibleWay.org. Scroll to the bottom of the page where it says Newsletter, fill in your name and email address, and click Sign Up. In this email, you will receive reports of the works of God in China, in Africa, in South America, in India, Europe, all over the world. We also publish a full-color paper newsletter two times a year, complete with photographs, reports, and testimonies from all over the world. The newsletter is free, just request it, and we would be happy to mail a copy to you. You can contact us by email at info at bible-believers.org that's info at bible-believers.org or you can write to us at Bible Believers P.O. Box 128 Blaine, Washington 98231 that's Bible Believers P.O. Box 128 Blaine, Washington 98231 This is Mark Aho. Thank you for being with us today and be sure to join us for the next Believer's Faith Challenge Report podcast.